Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from the Lancet Respiratory Medicine. I'm Catherine Rolfe. This month we'll be discussing a new article which looks at sputum culture conversion as a prognostic marker for end of treatment outcome in patients with multidrug resistant tuberculosis. I'm joined on the line today by two authors of this paper. Let's hear from them introducing themselves. Hello, my name is Ekaterina Kurbatova. I am the medical epidemiologist at the Division of Tuberculosis Elimination at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, my name is Peter Sigelski, and I'm also a medical epidemiologist and team leader for drug-resistant tuberculosis in the Division of TB Elimination at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. Thank you both for joining us today. Could you start by telling us about the background and rationale to this study? Well, in recent years, there has been a tidal wave of interest in better treatment for multidrug-resistant tuberculosis, or MDR-TB. Two new anti-tuberculosis drugs were recently approved for the treatment of MDR-TB, bedaquiline in 2012 and delamonate in 2013. These are first really new TB drugs since the 1960s. They were approved provisionally based on results from phase two trials because the current situation with MDR-TB is so dire, but on the condition that the drug companies go ahead with full-scale phase three trials. The critical thing about this phase two trials is that they used sputum culture conversion as the primary endpoint rather than definitive clinical endpoints such as cure, death, or treatment failure. The Delamani trial used two months sputum culture conversion and the Bedaquilin trial used six months conversion as surrogate or proxies for the efficacy of treatment. Historically, two months sputum culture conversion has been used as a pretty reliable indicator of efficacy in clinical trials of treatment for drug-susceptible TB. However, treatment of drug-susceptible tuberculosis takes only six to nine months, while treatment of MDR-TB takes 20 to 24 months. The reality is that we really don't know how well six months and two months sputum culture conversion predict final treatment outcome in patients with MDR tuberculosis. So we launched this analysis at the request of WHO's Stop TB Department to inform their working groups of experts developing policy guidelines related to these drugs and also to make these results available for investigators planning clinical trials. Why is there such a need for surrogate endpoints in tuberculosis trials? Well, as I mentioned, treatment of MDR-TB takes around two years, so it takes a long time to accrue data on the efficacy of new drugs. By using surrogate endpoints that become available at two months or at six months, you greatly accelerate phase two trials, getting results on probable efficacy in much shorter time. The results of this phase two trials with endpoints based on early accurate surrogates of efficacy will be crucial in choosing regimens wisely for future phase three trials. So the accuracy of this surrogate endpoint becomes very important. And what are the key findings of your study and why is sputum culture conversion considered to be such an important endpoint to measure? We use data from two large observational cohort studies done in nine countries that followed patients from the start to the end of treatment, monitoring sputum cultures every month. We assessed the relationship between two months 
and six months sputum culture conversion, as well as time to conversion with end of treatment outcomes. Our study showed that time to sputum culture conversion and culture conversion at six months strongly predicted final treatment outcome. In addition, sputum culture conversion at two months was a good predictor of treatment outcomes, but only in patients without known HIV infection. The overall association with outcome was substantially stronger for six months than for two months conversion, and six months conversion was valid both in HIV-infected patients and in those without known HIV infection. We also found that for predicting treatment success, two months culture conversion had low sensitivity and high specificity. Conversely, six months culture conversion status has high sensitivity but moderate specificity. Combined sensitivity and specificity maximized between six and 10 months of treatment. And for second part of this question, sputum culture conversion is an important endpoint to measure because it's a necessary step on the way to cure. Should these findings influence our interpretation of currently available data from trials of treatment for MDR tuberculosis? Well, if you're asking about trials that use sputum culture conversion as a surrogate for efficacy, then yes, our findings enable us to better interpret the results of these trials. We can quantify the likelihood that the results of these types of trials accurately predict true end-of-treatment outcomes, as well as the chances that the results would not be corroborated by larger, longer Phase three studies. Should your results be interpreted differently for those working in HIV endemic and non-endemic settings? Yes. As Dr. Korbatova mentioned, two-month sputum culture conversion was not a good predictor of treatment outcome in patients known to have HIV infection because time to sputum culture conversion was much slower in HIV-infected individuals. It took a median of seven months compared with patients without known HIV infection, where the median was only two months. So those working in HIV endemic settings would want to rely on six-month sputum culture conversion data, not on two-month culture conversion data. However, there's a caution here, which is that only half of the HIV-infected patients in our study were receiving antiretroviral treatment at the time of enrollment. And what impact should your findings have on future trial design, and what is the next research priority for the field? Well, it depends on the purpose of the trial and the patient population in which the trial will be carried out. We already mentioned the limitation of two-month culture conversion in HIV-infected persons. Our findings can be used to help design trials that better suit the purpose of the trial or to make trials more efficient, especially adaptive trial design. If you want to compare several drugs or drug regimens and quickly identify those that appear most promising, then the high specificity of two-month sputum culture conversion would enable you to do that, selecting for future phase three trials only treatments that are most likely to be efficacious. In other words, drugs or drug combinations that lead to high culture conversion rates after only two months are highly likely to be effective in the long run, and they should be moved forward to phase three studies. That strategy carries a risk, however, and that risk is prematurely or incorrectly eliminating potentially beneficial treatments. Our findings enable investigators to quantify that risk. On the other hand, if you want to minimize the risk of prematurely or incorrectly eliminating treatments from further studies, for example, or if you want to design an inclusive phase three study, or if you have substantial interest in a particular treatment and want to give it the best possible chance of moving forward, then the high sensitivity of six-month sputum culture conversion would better serve your purpose because only a small fraction 
fraction of patients who go on to be cured will fail to convert their sputum cultures to negative by six months. That way, when you move into phase three trials, you can be fairly confident that the treatment will work. If the treatment doesn't result in sputum culture conversion after six months in a high proportion of patients, then it probably won't be effective in full-scale phase three trials. The interesting thing is that these findings could be applied to adaptive trial designs to make them highly efficient. In an adaptive trial, randomization to the different limbs of the study is not necessarily equal throughout the duration of the enrollment period. So if you observe a high culture conversion rate after only two months in one or more of the limbs of the study, then you can be fairly certain those treatments will prove to be effective and you could stop randomizing patients to those limbs of the study. That way you could randomize patients to the other limbs of the study and enable you to accrue the patients that you need in the other limbs of the study, finishing enrollment more quickly and efficiently without sacrificing statistical power. One important caveat here, though, is that we observed a lot of geographic heterogeneity in the sensitivity and specificity and in the predictive power. So it may be necessary to validate these findings in particular regions. Now, to answer your other question about future research needs, the real priorities in clinical research on MDR tuberculosis include the need for more effective drugs, drugs that could shorten treatment, and also on prophylaxis for drug-resistant tuberculosis. An optimal regimen for treating drug-resistant TB would cure 95% of all MDR TB patients with less than 5% relapses and last six months or less. It should be completely orally administered and also effective in HIV-infected persons and in children. An ideal regimen for MDR-TB prevention would be short, oral, and easily tolerated and reduce secondary cases of MDR-TB by 90%. Thank you very much for joining us on the line today and speaking to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine about your interesting study. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.